This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me. I do appreciate it. If you want to join us on Patreon as a supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash AHP uh, and you'll get all podcasts in advance of other listeners. want to thank all the Patreon supporters, guys. Thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Also, too, if you want to message us, guys, you can go to the Facebook page. Join us on the Facebook page. Email me at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. That's important because we'd love to discuss uh, your topics uh, on our next straight shooting podcast. That goes as well with the voicemail icon on the website at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. You can see it on the right-hand side. You can record a voicemail that goes up to three minutes uh, so we can play them on our next show. And having your input is always appreciated, so thank you very much for that. On today's show, we are talking to Shane Aylmore. Now, some of you might not know who Shane is. Shane is the owner of Ella Valley Station in WA. Uh, Shane purchased the property roughly around 2010 and has been using the range for many different activities, including one of the largest, longest ranges, uh, not only in WA, but in Australia, one of the largest non-military ranges in Australia. Now, I'm just looking at uh, a website here, guys. Uh, This is from abc.net.au, and it says, shooting vermin and high-powered firearms on pastoral station proves tourism draw card. Now, basically, it talks about Shane's property that he was given basically a special permit to be able to run a firearms range on his massive property, which is in the middle of the boondocks in the middle of nowhere. So as you can understand, it's not going to be an issue to anybody, so you'd think. Now, after this article, guess what happened? He started having major issues with WA police, which we're going to discuss on today's show. Shane raised over $38,000 on a GoFundMe campaign, which is absolutely fantastic. And this is what I say on, on different shows all the time is that It's up to us, it's up to the people to make a difference. It's crazy that Shane was able to raise $38,000 to represent himself. But I think, and I've said this before, it's absolutely fantastic. We've got to stop taking these types of decisions laying down and start doing something about them. We saw the Adler issue. We saw the Riverman OAF that was banned. All these appearance laws. People like Brad Towner from Armored Heaven who are now being charged by police for selling toy guns in the form of gel blasters. It's getting absolutely crazy at the moment. And you might see on Facebook, guys, I have had one message about this saying, well, I'm anti-police. I'm not anti-police whatsoever. But what we do need to understand is that police uh, and the government, or on behalf of the police, are starting to make up their own rules. They're starting to vilify law-abiding firearms owners, which is gradually getting worse. It's a fact. You can't deny that. And yes, I agree absolutely. We should be able to and be working with the police and go basically be, be arm-in-arm with the police in solidarity and working together to get illegal firearms off the streets. But unfortunately, that's too difficult. So what they do do is they start vilifying People like Shane on his property, trying to do the right thing, creating a place for shooters to come and enjoy their sport. But unfortunately, that's not good enough for the WA police, and now he's being attacked by them. It's currently before the tribunal, uh, so we're going to talk to Shane about that. We're going to talk about the Ella Valley Station. We're going to talk about the range, what he likes to do, and currently what's happening with WA police. So I hope you enjoy the show. So let's bring Shane on the show. Shane, welcome to AHP. Thanks for joining me. I do appreciate it. Thanks very much. No, thanks, Jason. It's good to be here. Excellent. Tell us about yourself. I want to find out who Shane is. Well, um, 
I've done quite a few things. Uh, I was a fisheries officer uh, for 14 years. I worked probably between Augusta down south and um, Kununurra in the north. Um, spent most of that time in the Gascoigne and the Pilbara. Um, I've, I've grown up shooting. You know, my, my father was a... Um, um, He's owned his pest control business most of his life. And I, I learned to shoot in um, the CBD of Perth when he was with the health department and used to have to go and shoot pigeons in the main street. So I suppose learning to shoot in the CBD of Perth is a bit unusual, but um, just that's what happened. Um, I've done a lot of other things. I, I, I enjoy spearfishing and diving. Um, I've got to spearfish in some of the best spots around Australia. Um have you always grown up in WA or have you always lived there? Yeah, I have. I, I, I was a Rotary Exchange student, spent a couple of years in Europe, um, mainly in Belgium, so I learned to speak French over there while I went to school. Um, what else? I've, um, yeah, no, I've, I've kept pretty busy. What about your family? I used to just talk about that. You said your dad, was it a family tradition growing up shooting? Was that just a normal yeah, fair within the family unit? or? Yeah, absolutely. He um, he was a, a came off the land. Um, he um, spent a lot of time on farms. Um, then he got with the health department, so he used to shoot a bit with them. Not a lot, but, a, you know, a bit. Um, and then he opened up his own business uh, here in Carnarvon in the early 80s. And um, we had a plantation, so I grew up on the plantation where I also learned to shoot and spent every waking minute hunting things. Um, and then um, I, I remember being in high school and um, sitting my TE exams and we had like a three-hour English exam. You couldn't leave for the first hour. And I had to get it done in the first hour because we needed to go shooting immediately afterwards. So I think a three-hour exam got done in an hour and I still managed to pass, only just. But... <laughs> so, so getting out bush and shooting was kind of my priority, I suppose, growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing like shooting. Do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above? You just mentioned a few of um, earlier. You know what? But... I, I tend to shoot more than hunt. You know, I um, and I look at shooting as being in your car, you're driving around and you see something, you jump out and shoot it. You know, I take my hats off to guys that hunt, that get out there on foot and follow things, spend days walking after stuff. I've done a bit of that. Um, but, you know, I, realistically, I'm a shooter. I'm a protein gatherer, so um, I don't... I, I, it's like fishing. I don't enjoy line fishing. I just do it to catch fish to eat. So realistically, <laughs> I'm a basic protein gatherer. Yeah. Do you like eating game and that sort of thing? Or I do. Yep. Um, I've actually got a a killer hanging in the chiller at the moment. So um, and I'll probably end up with another one um, over the weekend. What's your favourite game meat? What do you What do you generally go at when you are shooting? What sort of animals are you sort of targeting at where you are? Um, generally goats. So we, we have we have a lot of goats on our place. Um, we get quite a few dameras as well. Um, not many people like eating dameras, but I've found as long as you roast them slowly, they come out really good. The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye-light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit OSAAustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, 
We make it visible. How much of your, like, not diet, but how much do you generally eat sort of game meat? I mean, I know goat's actually one of the most consumed meats in the world, quite surprisingly. But uh, well, how do you prepare it? What's your, what's your favorite go-to sort of meals and those types of things? Um, generally, I'll, I'll, when, I, when I get it, I'll cut it up into roasts uh, and, then, and then freeze it. So we'll hang it in the chiller for, I usually use it, hang it for about two weeks. And then um, what I'll do is freeze it off into roasts. Uh, and if I want chops, I'll just run the roast through the bandsaw frozen um, and do leg chops. Um, and, and, and that way, if I'm going to a barbecue, I'll take a heap of those. Sometimes I'll marinate them um, for a couple of days, put them in some you know, sauces and, and marinate them and then use the chops that way. Or just do them as roasts. Um, quite often, if, we, if we're going away camping or um, going somewhere, I'll do a slow-cooked camp oven roast. Seems a lot of people are really starting in, getting into. I know a lot of hunters that really are starting to enjoy the uh, goat meat, just certain all the different cuts, putting them into sausages, stuff like that. Yeah, no, no, they do. So, I mean, our station traditionally um, used to truck out up to 3,000 goats a year. Um, You know, that's prior to us having it. And then nowadays what I have is the the, the shooters and the hunters that come up, um, they take between 600 and um, sometimes up to 800 a year. And and that meat's going, you know, to people that take it and eat it here in WA. Whereas before, um, the 3,000 were gone to live export. So it's, it's kind of good to see that I'm value-adding the product, and it stays here in WA and is used by locals. How many goats do you take off the property? Are those numbers, you know, are they dropping or they continue to increase or it's sort of steady in regards to the game management of the station? Uh, they are dropping. Um, I, I don't, for us, to us, they're ferals. Uh, um, they're dropping for a couple of reasons, I think. Um, mainly, mainly, I think, because um, we, we, you know, we've got much more efficient at trapping them and mustering them. You know, we muster them with planes and helicopters now because they're worth it. Um, and there's also dogs. Dogs get stuck into them. Um, there's a very bad feral dog pro- uh, problem up in the Midwest and Gascoigne. And um, I think they've been pulling them up a bit as well. Sounds like you've got a big property there too. And um, what what made you want to buy you know, such well, a large property? And when, when, and when did you purchase it? Well, what happened was my, my old boy, he had a hobby farm down at Jinjin. And uh, I... Um, he went, went on holidays and he asked me to sell some of his cattle. So I went down there and pushed his cattle into a yard. And uh, I wasn't there when the truck came and it took them all the way. So um, I was only supposed to sell a few, but I ended up selling a whole lot by accident. And um, while he was away, I, you know, I rang him up. Well, he rang me up and said, oh, how did, how did we go? Did we get a good price for him? And I said, oh, yeah, good news and some bad news. You got this much money? And he nearly fell over. I said, he said, well, what's the bad news? I said, oh, that was for all of them. So... Um, so looking at that, we thought, oh, well, it's viable. Why run a hobby farm where you can overcapitalize and, you know, if you have a bad year, you can't run the numbers. Why not do it for real? So um, I purchased the station up here and um, with a view that he would run the stock and um, eventually I'd run some tourism. Um, and it just seemed to take off. You know, we had the fires, which forced us into the tourism much sooner than we would have liked to have. Um uh, we lost eighty percent of the feed, so um, uh, we we got into tourism. Yeah, exactly. It sounds interesting. So, talk about. We'll get into the when you decided to put a range on there just a little bit later. But what do you like to shoot? What's your favourite guns and that sort of thing? When you obviously on the range, obviously you said you do a bit of shooting. What's your go tos? I do. Um, I've got a my go to rifle at the moment, which I use for work and and for plays. I've got a, a Seiko TRG with a twenty inch barrel in three hundred eight. Um, 
that's kind of my go-to work gun at the moment. Um, I've got a, a couple of two D threes. I've got a couple of three three out of the pools. I've got a Barrett ninety eight, which is the hot crush pink one, which I had to make pink because it it then didn't have issues in relation to Reg twenty six B. So it did because it didn't look like a machine gun. It was hot crush pink, and then it wasn't one. So, which is a bit silly. It just amazing, shows how ludicrous our legislation is. Yeah. Um, and then. Uh, I've also got a, a 416 uh, Barrett. That's a Macmillan TAC 416 that I use. Uh, I use that for culling jobs where I can't get close to anything. So, you know, occasionally I'll have to get rid of a, a camel or a horse that gets into a trough and does a bit of damage. And because they're obviously better at, you know, surviving in the bush than we are, they know when you're close by and they won't come in. So I usually sit off at a distance and, and uh, use that. And that's very effective. Interestingly, you were talking about different sorts of game and ferals. You said camels, horses. What other game do you have on the property at the station? Um, we have mainly goats. Um, we had, we've had some camels on the place uh, for years. Uh, 1930s was there was the first newspaper article where the owner at the time complained that somebody had released camels there. Um, we did have a, a guy who's was in Carnarvon for a long time who had a mob of about. 12 camels, I believe. He um, left them on the neighbouring station and a couple of them ended up on our place. And uh, I think we're down to one there at the moment. So he lives in a really thick part of the station that we just can't get to. So, What's some of your... We were talking about guns before, too, which is good. What about scopes? Yeah, Everyone likes their certain brand or certain type. What's your go-to? Um, my go-to is Night Force. I, um, I've got a, pretty much a fleet of Night Forces um, ranging in everything from... You know, they're cheaper version NSA's ones to the uh, new attackers. And, um, yeah, they're fantastic. I, um, I love them. I've had brilliant service with those guys. I um, destroyed a scope of theirs. It kind of fell out of the vehicle that I was flying in at the time and uh, did a bit of a spud in from about 75 foot, and it bent the scope. And uh, it still worked. Uh, the scope was bent quite badly. Uh, I still used it for the rest of the day uh, on that culling job. And then um, I sent it off to them, and they had it for five working days and fixed it and sent it back to me. So I'm really happy with their product and their service. Now, I've heard good things about Night Force, certainly a lot of different products, and uh, a lot of people like different things, so I thought I'd ask you that one too. I mean, tell us about, obviously, the station in general. I don't think we we discussed it as much a bit bit earlier, but just in general, the range, what sort of things you do on there, just in general, just a bit of info that might help the listeners sort of get a bit of a mental picture about the station. Yeah, so the station's um, 200 and... 86,000 acres. Uh, it's about 87 k's southeast of Carnarvon. Um, we've got a lot of goats on the place. Uh, back when the fires were on, we um, had to recut a fire break down near the shearing shed and shearers' quarters. And um, the guy that cut it for me, um, he was a local from Gascoigne Junction. He was on the grade, pretty much working it all night. And um, in the morning we came up and I had, that's when I had to light up the edges so that it would pull up the fire that was coming towards us. And uh, he, he gets out and, come, and comes up to me and says, wow, this looks a bit like a rifle range. And he was a shooter. And, uh, and I said, looked at it and went, yeah, it does. I said, if it was only another blade wider. So he said, oh, I've got to come back. So he did another cut to widen it up. And then we proceeded to light it up and um, the fire stopped. It didn't get past that fire break. 
So the range actually serves two purposes. It's a, it's a fire break to protect the infrastructure at the shearing shed and the shearer's quarters. And, um, yeah, so it runs directly north-south, which is a, a good thing for shooting because you're shooting into the wind most of the time with the southerlies. Um, and it, it, it's approved by the West Australian Police, and I use the term approved lightly because anybody who's read the Act kind of knows they don't have the authority to approve anything because they forgot to introduce regulations to do so. Um, but, yeah, it goes. It, it's approved by them for a kilometre, um, but it goes out to 2.7 where it's cleared, um, and then you, it's actually possible to shoot off into the dunes further on, out to about 3.5 kilometres. When, you, when you're shooting that far, is it obviously your land, is it quite flat to see that distance, or is it more you're aiming sort of in a downward trajectory, or what's the sort um, of... No, it's, it's pretty flat. Um, we actually, you, when you at the 3.5 kilometre mark, there's a series of dunes that run... They're naturally occurring dunes that are there. And um, you can't see past those guys. Um, but, yeah, that's about as far as you can get. Um, so it, it, it's a long way out. And um, obviously that's where your good optics come in, yeah. being able to see that far. When you're shooting there, do you shoot? Is this ground to ground? So you're actually on the ground or you have a, a yeah. sort of shooting station up higher sort of thing? Or got a, like? We've got a mound that we built up. Oh, yeah, um, cool, yeah. We built the mound up for two reasons. One, because we run cattle. Um, uh, we needed some form of carpet around to stop the dust blowing. So when, every time we put carpet down, the cattle would come and eat it. So we put the mound up in the air, and then um, we put grids around the outside of the range uh, to, or the mound to stop the cattle walking up the hill because they like climbing on things and eating things. So, so the mound is there to give you a bit of elevation so you can see further, but it's also there to keep the cattle away from the, you know, the, the mound infrastructure that keeps them off the benches, um, keeps, stops them from eating the carpet, knocking the, the, the chairs and tables over and things like that. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. What, what do you shoot there? Do you shoot disciplines? Is it just a fun day? Tell us what a standard day sounds like. We've actually got a club that's there. So it's a WSAA um, affiliated club. Um, so it's a Widjabandi club, which um, it's pronounced Winyabandi, which is an Aboriginal term. It means a few things. Um, it actually was a term for, us, for, the, for the Aboriginals down south for rifle. It actually means emu leg, but that was kind of what a rifle translated to. And in local language it's it's a place on the river kind of adjacent to us the top end of rocky pool and um that area is kind of famous for snakes so um yeah so that's that's where the name of the club comes from we um the club we have members come through often like probably every couple of weeks we'll have a member call in and uh, go and have a shoot we'll catch up and socialize um and we have several shoots a year where we plan with the guys that shoot 50s come up and and shoot you know, 50 cal events or long range events, um, and they're they're really social. Like, um, you know, they're great get-togethers. We um, we've got really good infrastructure down the range. We've got the Shearers quarters have 10 rooms. We're always single beds in or two single beds, so we can sleep 20 people easily. Um, it's got a 
industrial kitchen, um, toilets and showers. So it, the guys come up and we're pretty self, self-sufficient. How many people would you sort of get to one of those days, you know, when you run those range days? When we, when we have them, um, we try and keep it to about 45, um, any more than 45, and it gets a bit of a, an issue. And my conditions say that I can have 45, my conditions put imposed by the, my diversification permits that allow me to do it on a pastoral lease, um, have a limit of 45. Now, Department of Lands have been really good. I can extend that. All I need to do is ring them up or send them an email saying, I'm having a special event. This is what we're doing. And I always do the right thing by getting in extra toilets. Um, not that we really need them, but I just get them in anyway and it makes sure I look after the place and, and it doesn't have any detrimental impact onto the environment and it's, it's all good. When did you decide, like you, you, you obviously bought the property for a certain reason and was were you always planning on putting a range there or did you think at some stage during that I, period I'm going to build a I range? Actually, and- I actually was going to put in a range. It was always going to be a private range where I could go and shoot big guns and, and I could allow the tourists to come and have a go with what I've got. Um, I've, I've got a good collection of, of big guns. I've got a couple of 50s, 416, as I said, and a couple of 338 and And everybody wants to shoot you know, a big gun, but there's just nowhere where you can go and do it in WA. So it just enables people to come and have a go, um, You know, tick something off their bucket list. I've actually got a bit of a joint venture going with the local uh, helicopter company, Coral Coast Helicopters, that tourists that come to town, you know, especially... Um, you know, overseas tourists, they don't have time or they're not set up to come out and stay at the station or get out there by themselves. He flies them out, um, lands at the range, takes them shooting and then flies back. So um, they, get, they get a bit of a scenic helicopter ride on the way out and the way back and they get to have a go at a 50. So that's show, we've got a lot of people showing interest in that. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. When you've had people come over and shoot, where... Where have they sort of come from? Everywhere around the world, what's been your sort of most interesting place you've sort of had someone come over from? Um, Singapore, I seem to get the most from. Um, I've had a few Germans come over, um, but we've had we've had a couple of groups from Singapore. Um, I've got a lot of interest from China, but I'm just not set up at the moment to cater for the top end customer. I will be in the future, but it's just one of those things I need. To, to have top-end clients, you need to have top-end infrastructure. And, um, you know, we're, we're, things are still basic there. We have we have basic power. It's not on all day. Um, it's only when the generator's running. So I've got a bit more of an improvement before we, we, we cater for the absolute top-end. But in the meantime, we've had um, yeah, Singapore, a couple of Europeans, um, people from Queensland. I uh, got an inquiry the other day from the Northern Territory. Um so yeah, no, we've, it, it, it's one of those things. It's it's kind of far-reaching. Mate, obviously, so the purpose of this podcast was to chat to you. Obviously, you're having issues uh, with WA Police about the range, some restrictions on the range and stuff like that. First off, I guess just tell us about, give us a bit of a background. You started a GoFundMe because 
you know, WA police are sort of putting their, you know, their hands where they're not really required. There was an article probably a couple of months ago, I think, from the ABC that we saw, and it was telling about the tourist destination, how it was awesome. Seemed like a fairly good article from what I read, except for the quote-unquote high-powered rifle comments by the person that wrote the article. But anyway, that's a side issue. What issues are you having police? Do you think it's targeted? Give us a bit of a background. Well, we we had uh, a national titles at the station. So we had the WSAA Long Range National Titles. We also held the uh, sanctioned 50 Calibre Association of America 50 Cal competition. And we had our 50 Cal State Titles. So we had like four days of competition at the range. And um, that was when the ABC Landline came up and did their story. And um, there they did an awesome job. Um, it, it was just amazing to have... Um, you know, journalists that were from the land that in, in enjoyed being on the land and kind of recognised what we did. They were they were just brilliant at what they did. But um, so so they did that uh, landline article. Um, we had the national titles, and then what happened shortly afterwards? The, the police started writing to all our members, demanding to know a whole swag of information. And um, you know, they wrote to our club saying that we needed to tell them all this information. Unfortunately. The, the police don't have any authority, that, especially authority that overrides any of the our, our obligations under the um, Incorporated Associations Act to hand over all this information. And the police, again, don't have um, powers of surveillance. You know, if they need to know something, they go and get a warrant, they come and give it to you, and you hand over the information. They're handing over members' private details for no reason, and, and we've got it in writing from them that there's no reason... There's no complaint. There's no unlawful activity. They just wanted it. Um, well, we refused. Um, so then what they did was they proceeded to go around unlawfully seizing some of the club members' 50 cals. Um, and they still, to this day, haven't said why. I mean, they have in Parliament, and that's in, that, that, that information can be seen in Hansard. And they're quoting two sections of the Act that that, that have no bearing on the, what they did. So um, it, it seems really common that, that we have this... They rely on pieces of legislation that actually aren't. The, the Australian police tend to rely on le- legislation that doesn't exist. So what they did was they wrote to me and imposed uh, a, a series of conditions. Well, firstly, what they did was they, they rang me up and said, oh, we want to come and have a look at your range. And uh, I said, oh, yep, why is that? And they said, oh, well, we just need to make sure it's good, which I was a bit surprised about because when it comes to ranges in Western Australia, my range was the last one that was approved and the last one that was inspected. So if they were going to do a review of ranges like they told me, then you would think they'd start with one of the ones that hasn't been looked at in 40 years. So anyway, I um, did a bit of research and found out that uh, the, the apparent Midwest range inspection only included my range. So, and they hadn't made bookings with anyone else to see any ranges. So I questioned the police and said, why do you want to come to my range and what section of legislation are you going to, you know, you're relying upon to do it? And they came back with some legislation that was completely irrelevant, had nothing to do with their ability to inspect or approve ranges. Um, and it just so happens that there was a SAT case uh, where a guy in Perth had applied for a 408 Shatak and the police were opposing his application and needed some evidence to say that there was no big animals on my station that were 
appropriate to be hunted with a 408 JTAC. So what they did was instead of saying, oh, we need to come and have a look at your animals, which they've got no legislation to do, they said, we want to come and have a look at your range. Now, I unfortunately wasn't available for them to come and have a look at the range. I was away doing some FIFO work. Um, and I did say, no, okay, I'm not available on these dates, but you can come later next month. Well, they refused and, um, uh, and said that they were coming anyway. I said, no, I'm not happy with you being on my place when I'm not there. I'm more than happy for you to come at a mutual time. They, um, uh, but they went anyway. So, I, so I they came to... and just straight onto your land without you even being there after you told them yeah. no? Yeah. So what they did was um, they came onto my property. My blood pressure is they... rising, Shane. It's rising. Yep. So <laughs> what they tell me is that they only stuck to gazetted roads. Now, the issue I have is I have the photos that they took. So let's be clear here. They wanted. They told me they wanted to come and have a look at my range. They came to the station, spent four hours. Now, I'm quoting from the officer's uh, statements that they submitted to the State Administrative Tribunal. They spent four hours driving around my station, taking more than 90 photos, of which they submitted as evidence as well. So I've seen the photos. I've got copies of them. And it's my place. You know, when somebody takes a photo of your backyard, you know where they've taken it from. And let's be really clear, the photos were taken in positions that were not on gazetted roads. Purely and simply, they trespassed. Uh, I removed my consent to allow them to come there, and they came anyway. And they've since denied that. And, um, and I've since realised that the reason they had to come that day was they only had two days afterwards to submit all of their documents to SAT. So SAT documents had to be in on time. That's why they couldn't wait for me to be there. They needed to come to collect this information to submit to SAT. Just one thing, too, just to say SAT, that's the tribunal in WA. Just, yeah, tribunal. just so people are aware when they're yep. listening to the show, SAT is the tribunal, guys. Yep. Yep. So I made a complaint about that, and I believe I've CC'd you in on a copy of that. And it's pretty clear that, that, that that's why they came. I mean, you can't justify it any other way. Um, and it's really clear that afterwards they imposed a series of conditions on me um, because I refused them access. Um, those conditions which, to this day, I say are unlawful. Um, and it's been mentioned by the member in SAT that they're relying on a definition of the Act, not any regulations. So a definition doesn't give you the power of entry. A definition doesn't give you the authority to boss people around and interfere with their business. You need regulations or, you so know, do they, do they have, you know, I guess under the law, powers to be able to go onto your property when you've clearly said no? Well, no. No, it's a trespass. And if they wanted, if they, if they wanted to come on, then they've got avenues under their police act. They can go and get a warrant and come on that way. But realistically, and it's in writing, there's been no crime or, or offence been reported. They just came on and... Um, to gather evidence for a SAT case. Now, the Police Act doesn't allow investigations to take place, you know, and, and resources. I mean, they had officers drive up from Perth a 1,000 kilometres overnight and then drive all the way back. What are you the know? tribunals saying about, obviously, you've discussed this, saying you illegally entered my property without approval. What are they saying? Well, so the SAT won't, won't entertain that. That's a police complaint. So I've made a complaint to the officers. And the officers, their supervisor came back and said, oh, no, they didn't do anything wrong. 
Um, and they didn't come there to collect photos of, for the SAT case, which is strange because their statements clearly show that they did. Because um, they came, they looked, they didn't look at the range, they looked at the animals and took photos of the place and wrote descriptions about the place. So, you know, we need to be pretty open and clear here. That's what they were doing. They weren't. They were being incredibly deceitful and um, acting beyond their powers. Are you looking to buy a new or used firearm? Do you want to sell that safe queen to fund your next purchase? Then go to OzGunSales.com. We have over 200 registered firearms dealers Australia-wide and thousands of shooters using the site daily. There are over 2,500 firearms listed, so you're certain to find exactly what you're looking for. We have over 50 years of firearms industry experience, including eight years online. So why wouldn't you advertise with us? The one and only genuine original Ozguns. Are you able to discuss what conditions the WA police yeah, wanted I can, to put in place? I'm not allowed to discuss what occurred in, um, in the mediation sure. sessions because that's confidential. More but so the conditions, the conditions of that, what they want to put on you now. Yeah, so the issue is, is the conditions are they want everybody that comes to the range to put down a lot of personal information, so their firearms licence number, their driver's licence number, or their passport number, um, you know, their signature. There's a whole lots of information that I and the rest of the state have issues with because we've already had issues in WA where people, bad people, have got onto ranges, taken a photo of the sign-in book, then gone away, searched up, found out where the people live, and gone and raided their houses, stolen their handguns. So it's a shopping, it provides shopping lists for bad people. And um, in this day and age, um, we shouldn't be doing that. You know, confidentiality is a big thing. And again, I'm an accredited tourism business. Why do the police need to know who my customers are? Um, it gets better. I've actually got customers that have been rung up by the police and harassed and, um, you know, and told unlawful and incorrect information. Um, that's that information I'll forward to the Crime Corruption Commission for them to investigate. But um, So <clears throat> that's one of the conditions. Some of the more extreme conditions that, that are out of everybody in the state probably impact on me the least um, is that they want to impose a condition on all rangers, me being the first one up, that a range officer must be on the range at all times that, that are supervising anybody that shoots. Now, I don't have an issue with that for a competition. That's what happens, and that's what needs to happen. What happens after hours when any club member of any club in Western Australia goes down, they've got it, they're a member of a club, they're a licensed firearms owner, they want to go down and do some load development or do some training or practice, that would mean that the club would need to have a range officer there. Let's be clear. The ne very next condition after that is that the range officer can't shoot. So you can't do what you do now where you go down with your mate, he supervises you, you supervise him, you clear each other's firearms. No, you need a ded dedicated range officer. So that in itself is so restrictive on clubs in Western Australia that it, it, it needs to be stopped. Um, it's crazy. I, I mean, when you consider that the person that goes to a range is a licensed firearms owner with a licensed firearm. Um, they've been approved by the police, so they're a fit and proper person. And they've passed the safety awareness tips course, which was instigated by the police. 
and they're a member of a, a club. So you really have to sit back and think, well, why would you why would you impose such a condition? Where in in my case, if they walk 25 metres off the range onto the rest of the 200,000 acres of station, they can shoot in 365 degrees, you know. They, they can shoot wherever they want, at whatever they want, and they don't need a range officer to supervise them. Yeah. So it's a bit two-faced, and um, it's only there to, to, to stop lawful recreational shooting occurring as it occurs now. Um, Interestingly enough, do you think... Why all of a sudden now do you think police are really interested in your range? Do you think it's the article in the media that sparked this? Um, yeah, I think it is. And and let's be clear, uh, firearms branch in West Australia have a hard-on for anybody with large-caliber firearms. You know, they they really have an issue with it. Um, they're making it increasingly difficult. Um, when, when, when you have to sit back and ask a question, you know, they talk about being in the public interest. How many crimes are committed with big caliber guns? None, because they're big guns. They're too hard to use in a crime, and they're not something that criminals want. Criminals want small stuff. So it's a bit ludicrous. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, long-range shooting is a legitimate sport, and um, I provide the facilities for people to do that. You started a GoFundMe. I know there was an update from the, you know, some of the things you said during the GoFundMe campaign about possibly you know, being targeted, sort of vilification. And the tribunal wrote to you and said, well, basically, the, <laughs> I guess I'm paraphrasing here, but WA police are a bit uppity about what you said. Tell us about that. Tell us about the GoFundMe and what are the funds going to go for in regards to legal representation? Yeah, so the, the, the GoFundMe page was, um, it was actually started by one of our, our club members who, who did, it, did it for me. Um, because he realised that it was going to cost a, a, a heap of money to fight the police. Now, again, the other thing is the police have an attitude, and this is an attitude that that I've heard them say, um, that it's a big thing. They can just sit on West Australian shooters. Um, they've got endless buckets of money to tie you up in court, and um, yeah, they'll just sit on you. So that's actually a recording that I have of one of the firearms licensing officers. So... That's probably why they're a bit upset with me as well, because, um, you know, I've heard them speak like that. That's the attitude that we're faced with. And these guys are just out there to waste um, shooters' money by tying them up in court. I'm guessing they wouldn't want that information to get out publicly or a recording of that, I'm guessing. It's out publicly. You know, let's be really clear. I made a complaint about it. They refused to deal with it, so... I'll just hand it out now and everybody can see. You know, there's a whole lot of information that's in that recording that... Are you really afraid of repercussions or do they know you're recording them? Are you afraid of repercussions? I know in New South Mate, Wales... I, was party, I was party to the conversation. It was recorded lawfully. So, you know, and guess what? The repercussions are probably exactly what I'm facing now. So, yep. um, you know, they don't like what I'm doing. They, uh, I'm doing things lawfully. Um, they just don't like it. And because somebody doesn't like what you're doing, doesn't mean that they can expend huge amounts. And we're talking vast amounts of government money has been wasted tying this up in court. So that's how the GoFundMe page got started. And I was a bit surprised. Like, um, you know, I've never been one to back away from an argument. I'll only have an argument if I'm going to win it because uh, I actually don't have time to have arguments I'm not. Um, and... So the GoFundMe page started up. I remember speaking to the, to my mate who actually put it up for me, um, and and he said, "Oh, what do you reckon we'll get?" And um, I said to him, "Oh, probably fifteen hundred dollars." 
And uh, he said, dude, it's been up six minutes and it's got 1,200 already. So um, I was staggered when in 24 hours we got $20,000. Um, but let me tell you, we've chopped through that, all of the funds and some, in relation to this, this very sat matter. And, um, and I think we're at the pointy end of the stick. If, if we allow the firearms branch to act unlawfully like they're doing, you know, it's, it's only going to get worse for Western Australian shooters and probably shooters as a whole. When you've dealt with them at the, say, at the tribunal, how have you found their attitude in general towards you? Is it one of disdain uh, or appalling. is it... Yeah, disdain. They sit on the other side of the table. They can't offer any explanation as to what they're doing. They have no justification. You know, you quite simply ask why or how does that work and they can't answer the question. So it's, it's, it's very, very clear that, um, you know, they're there for one reason, one reason only, and they can deny it as much as they want, but... Mate, you've seen that correspondence that I've sent here. It's pretty yeah. obvious. Uh, and you've obviously engaged uh, Ross Williamson, who we've done an interview with before in regards yep. to firearms matters in WA. So where do you think we're at? What are you What are you hoping to see, I guess? you know, Well, we're back in the State Administrative Tribunal early next year um, where we'll have... So we, we've had mediation and the police have refused to mediate. They've mediated a few things. So some of the stuff that they wanted to have in there was just outside their remit. You know, they... Uh, some of the other conditions were I needed a bushfire management plan. Now, FISA's in charge of bushfires, um, not the police. So, again, they're operating outside their act. The Firearms Act enables you to do certain things, and there's nothing in the act that gives them the authority to you know, to implement bushfire plans. Now, I've got one. You know, any tourism business that's accredited, accredited will have one, and um, all of that will be taken care of during your risk assessments that you do as a business. So... Um, they just have no authority to do what they're doing. On on that second, I guess, hearing in the early new year, what is hoping to be achieved? Is that the finalisation? Will that be whether it's agreed yeah. or disagreed? Um, what is if you can't come to an agreement? What would happen then? Will the will the tribunal member make a decision? Where do we go from there? Well, a, a couple of things. I, I mean, there is a big question as to whether it is a state administrative tribunal issue because the state administrative tribunal can only act on on matters that there is actually legislation that it applies to. So, you know, by entering into mediation, it was a it was a way of, of coming to an agreement. And um, I was more than happy to agree to conditions. I think rangers need conditions, and those conditions are to make sure that they're conducted properly and that they're conducted safely and in accordance with the Firearms Act. But any other condition that not, has nothing to do with the Firearms Act or, 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 or those matters then they shouldn't be included. So I think one of two things will happen. It'll, it'll get sorted or it'll end up in the Supreme Court. And um, if it goes to the Supreme Court, then it, it, it will mean pretty much that given there's no legislation, then the police will have to go away and write some. So, and that has huge implications because effectively that means that you know conditions on licences aren't lawful. And that can have wide-ranging implications here in WA. Are they expect, are the WA police expecting you, do you think, to cave to their demands or do you think they know you're going to go to the Supreme Court possibly if it goes that way? Uh, anybody that knows me knows that I can't be bought and I can't be bullied. Um, so the more they push back, the more I'll push back. It's just one of those things. You know, you've got to take a stance at some point. Um, and realistically, it's got to a point where, you know, 
it, this isn't just about me and my range. It's about every range in Western Australia. And um, the more the police push uh, and imp- try to impose conditions that are just ridiculous for for any other range, you know. Um, what do you think they're trying to achieve in all this, though? Wasting our money for no reason whatsoever. I mean, I can't believe they're not answerable to the government to say, well, why are you wasting all this money? Why are you wasting this? Well, they're wasting incredible amounts of money that people don't realise. I mean, uh, all you need to do is look at the statistics on this time last year, how many cases were before the State Administrative Tribunal in relation to firearms, and it was like 13. You know, you look now and it's well above 50. So their philosophy now is we'll just tie people up in court. And we know that's their philosophy because that's what they say. That's what they've said. So it's just a, a waste of taxpayers' money. That's a pretty and sad state of affairs, isn't it? It is, yeah. So what do you say so next year? I'm sure you'll let me know at some stage over next year what happens. We've yeah. got to do a bit of a follow up for the Facebook Absolutely. page and finding out what's happening. But speaking of that too, also, you know, because you obviously engaged Ross. But what about obviously you would have chatted to MPs? I mean, who's been helping you out? Who hasn't? Who's been oh, doing what? I've, some of the MPs have, have been fantastic. You know, well, in fact, all the MPs that I've been dealing with, um, and and all all different teams. So these. Um, Aaron Stonehouse from the Liberal Democrats, he's fantastic. And in fact, it's worth looking up some of the questions that he's asked in Parliament. And um, if you know anything about legislation, you can see that uh, he's caught them out doing some stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing. Um, and Vince Catania and Rick Mazza. So Vince Catania is our local National Party's member. Um, he's really supportive of what we do. He um, she came and opened our shoot that we had for the national titles. And... Um, yeah, no, he, he, he knows that potentially we have the ability to drag a lot of, you know, overseas tourists into the Gascoigne. And, um, have they been pushing back against the government? Is there, are they getting any signs of any positive t- or positivity from the government in regards to trying to, you know, at least well, the talk issue, to the, the police? Well, the issue is, uh, the issue is, is the, the, the police need to kind of learn they don't make the legislation, they only enforce it. So if it's not there, they shouldn't be making stuff up, they should just be enforcing what they've got. And if there's an issue and they want something changed, then they have to follow the due process. Now, mate, in year eight social studies, you learn that the parliament makes the legislation and it's the, the parliamentary, the people that represent people, the elected members of parliament that represent the people are the ones that get to vote on how the legislation goes. You know, that's what we have an upper house for, to bring in and check the legislation. Not for the police to make it up, um, you know, they can write it, and then it's got to be go before Parliament, let the upper house review it, let it be voted on by both houses, and then that's how we get legislation. This is the problem, though. I think the police think they're a force unto themselves, which they generally are. I mean, I think, you know, politicians yeah. are too afraid to act and say, well, no, because it looks to be as if they're interfering in police matters, you know? Well, that's right. I mean, but it is their job. That's how Parliament works. You know, it, it, it is that basic. It's just a simple, simple thing. And, of course, whilst people stand up to them and, and question their authority, like myself and there's others out there, um, you know, they, they, they're just going to get harassed and, and unlawfully harassed. You know, they, they make stuff up. They, um, you know, make life difficult. Well, you know, that, that's part of what we're lawfully entitled to do. We're lawfully entitled to question their actions. And um, Oh, didn't you know, Shane? They don't like that. Didn't you know that? <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. I've noticed they don't like it. But um, that's, that's the way it is, you know. 
What about and shooting organisations? Any any of them been getting involved to try and help out absolutely. or advocate? Yep. WSAA uh, were at all of the mediation sessions. So Ron Bryant, the president of WSAA. Now, they a lot of people don't understand and don't get the work that is put in by WSAA WA, especially Ron. Um, he's he's up. He's been to all of the SAT cases in relation to this. Um, He's objected and pointed out his views in relation to the WSAA clubs in WA. He just can't believe their attitude. Like, he's not absolutely disappointed. Even with his representation, are they still listening or no? No, no, not at all. No, they completely disagree. So they're treating not only a person in the public that has a range with disdain, they're treating a massive organisation with disdain also. Yeah, exactly. Um, And, and of course, it it, it saddens me to see people saying, oh, WSAA should be doing more. Um, I don't know about any other state, but here in WA, they are doing massive amounts. So they are funding many state administrative tribunal issues in relation to firearms matters. Um, and I've they're, been they're critical just... on them in the past where I think it's been due necessary, you know, because sometimes yeah, they have yeah. sat on their laurels where it's been, you know, they should have, yep. they should have, you know, like we've had, a, as you know, we've had a lot of bans in, when we look at in Queensland, they're trying to, you know, ban, doing pretty much the same thing, uh, ban yep. the Warwick WT, was it Warwick? Uh, no, Wedgetail, yep. sorry, WT15. That's going yep. through all the tribunal up there. I don't know what's happening with that at the moment. Um, we've yep. had the Riverman OAF ban. We've had the Adler 7-shot ban. As you know, like in New South yep. Wales, I'm over here. We've got the, you know, appearance laws. I mean, this is what I liked about this campaign, and this is why I actually contacted you, because it's good to see shooters getting together and actually making a difference, because we should have been doing this before. And obviously, the average shooter, such as myself, doesn't have you know thirty fifty a hundred thousand dollars to fight as you said the the police and or government and court because they've got you know endless pockets of money but we've so, seen a good a good view of people here getting together and actually making a difference which I think is absolutely fantastic but I would have liked to have seen that in the past which it's obviously changed in your situation but to get involved and, and, and tackle that forward and not taking it lying down every time this happens we should be in the NCATs or the SATs or the tribunals in your specific state and every time we should be fighting every single one so at least if the government knows listen if we make this decision in WA even if they don't care after a while well they're going to cop the pointy end of the stick. Shooters aren't going to take it lying down. They're going to band together with shooters and we're going to take every single issue to court. And then they'll, they'll know it. They'll know it in a couple of years' time, I can tell you. Oh, no, exactly. I agree completely. Um, Even if we oh, lose, people say, what is if we lose and lose $100,000? I don't. So what? So what? Yep. Who cares? You know, um, we, we win and at the end of the day. in that regard, the WSAA have been awesome. You know, their funding of many SAT cases in WA has just been amazing you know they've really stepped up um but again excellent you know it's strange that the government's using our tax money to fight us with our money that we earn so we're getting taxed twice by the and no law being broken i might add yeah yep so you know they yeah it really is an issue Mm. but um i mean i'm i'm of the same agreements i i went away from wsaa quite a few years ago like you know 15 years ago. But it wasn't until several times I'd come out of meetings with a minister over issues, the, you know, the police minister in relation to firearms branch, and I'd be walking out and Ron Bryant would be walking in. And, I, and the second time that happened, I said, dude, you know, we probably should get together a bit more. And he said, absolutely. So some, from then on, you know, it, it's about bringing everybody together to have the same argument. Because yeah. we're all having the same argument. Let's just do it together, not separately. 
No, I agree. I just wish sometimes the double S double and hopefully it happens in the future where, you know, we start we start knocking these things on the head. We start, you know, knocking back police from using our ranges just for an example, just to choose one. Things like yeah. uh, where we can have that power, but also it could be a double-edged sword if we don't want also our ranges in specific states to be targeted as well. But, I mean, how long, Shane, do we let this go on before we start saying to the police, no, sorry, you can't use our facilities anymore? I mean, they screw well, us in the ass at every opportunity and then we just open our doors to, to the police to come and use our ranges. I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't understand that sort of thinking, you know? No. It is. It's crazy. And um, at some point, you know, the, the, the gates will be shut, I suppose. But um, it's, it's just one of those things. Well, hopefully that's something I can bring up with them as well and say, listen, we need to start doing something. I know it probably might put a target on, you know, rangers back, especially if it is, you know, double you S, know double what? A or the other private is, rangers. The issue is, is we don't mind having a target on your back if the legislation's there and it's consistent. When you have people that have a grudge, um, that crack, your shit, crack the shits because you don't let them on your property when they want to come, um, and then, then they impose a whole swag of conditions. That's the issue. You know, they need to... Uh, it, nobody will mind them, you know, checking ranges as long as they've got the legislation to do it and as long as it's open and transparent. But if the range was fine before, why is it not fine now? Oh, exactly. There's no issue with the range. We see this all the time. They always come and say, oh, this, and there's always something always something new creeping in. You know, I've been on double SAA committees before in the past, especially here in Sydney, and, yep. you know, you, you, you hear and see things about the, the, what they want to do. And I'm like, Mate, the range has been here for 30 years. It hasn't changed. You know what I mean? Like, nothing's changed. It's the same range it was. We haven't extended it. We haven't done anything. Same range, same conditions that have been in there, but it's constantly attacking you know, firearms owners at, at every opportunity, you know. And then you say, well, let's have suppressors so we can reduce some of that noise. Oh, no, everyone's going to become contract killer. <laughs> you know, yep. It's, it's yeah, oh, yeah. No, it, unbelievable. It's crazy. It is ludicrous. Um, and it's just one of those things. Um, and I think whilst you don't, there's no common sense involved, and, and I mean, we saw that in, when, well, we saw that in the mediation where we simply just asked for justification and there was none forthcoming. Yeah. Um, you know, we all are sick of having to re-justify and justify what our actions. You know, realistically, the gate's got to swing both ways. If they want to impose conditions or change, just show us why. And that any reasonable person would 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 accept. Oh, okay, you've got a good reason there. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. But when you just make stuff up just to be difficult, just to impede a lawful business, then questions really do need to be asked. Well, I hope you don't give up, mate. I really don't. I'd love to see it go to the Supreme Court, to be honest. You know what I mean? I mean, hopefully a win, but as you said, it could be a double-edged sword, so that's obviously something you'll discuss with the powers that be uh, you know, sometime into the future. So to go to Supreme Court, it'll cost upwards of $50,000. Let's get a GoFundMe going. I'm happy to share yeah. it, get more money. So I mean, if that's what it we've takes. We've got the GoFundMe page. I actually haven't put much stuff on there, mainly because the police sooked you know, when, um, when I shared their information. So, why are they so but, upset if they what they've been found out? See, the years of being able to hide this sort of stuff and the advent of social media over, say, the last 10 to 15 years really leaves them up to a lot of scrutiny now, whereas before we, there wasn't so much as social media. So they could get yep. away with this sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, now, exactly. but now with the social media, everything's out on the internet and you, you can reach you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Now, I mean, look at the – I reckon they're probably shocked you raised thirty dollars dollars $40,000. Yeah, yeah, no. I was a bit stunned by that. And uh, as many people that I've spoken to um, have said, you know, it, 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 it really is because I'm at the pointy end of the stick having an argument that does affect everybody else. And it's very clear that if the conditions are imposed on me, 
then they're going to have to be imposed on every other range. Um, and, and it's just ridiculous. You know, it will, it will stop people using a range for what it's intended to. You know, going down there and doing some practice. You know, we all use ranges for competitions. But at the same time, you need to practice. You need some own time. You need to develop your loads. All of that would stop unless you had a qualified range officer there supervising you at the time, who, by the way, isn't a shooter. Crazy. You know, so, yeah, ludicrous. Mate, last question to finish off. Anything to add? Any final thoughts or yeah, final um, discussions for the listeners or comments? Or It'll be in the next couple of weeks. We find out which direction we're going, and um, I'm going to get on and update the GoFundMe page, and we'll probably get that going again. I um, I think we've used almost all of the money in the GoFundMe page in relation to legal costs and, 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 and pretty much transport. We've had to get people and specialists up to here, um, and, of course, the flight costs a thousand dollars each way um and the funds are the funds have helped out and it'll enable us to to continue the fight excellent all right shane elmore joins me here on ahp the ella valor station owner mate thanks for your time i appreciate if we can follow up again in the future and get a great result out of wa i know i've neglected somewhat the happenings in wa which i'm sorry to everyone that listens to the show that i've done that but hopefully this gives a bit more information about what the uh, trials and tribulations happening in wa so thanks no, no worries. And any time you want to come over and have a go, uh, come and have a go with some 50s and um, come and do a bit of hunting. You're more than welcome. You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.